0: Okay, so you want to be at All Church Retreat. It's just one of those things that you don't want to miss. It's kind of like the rapture of the church. If you miss the rapture of the church, you're having a bad day. Um, maybe a bad life. Maybe a bad eternity. Um, that could be bad. Okay, so this is, it's not that, it's not like on, quite on that level. This would be the second, right? This would be a second tier issue. All Church Retreat is a time where a whole church gets away together into the word together. Okay, there's a few things that you need to know about how it's gonna be different this time. You know, all church retreat is just, it's like a big hippie love fest every year. There's gonna be restrictions on that this year, okay? So you just need to know, up front, there'll be less time in the meetings, okay? We wanna, basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna have shortened services to help with the children's care workers. So in the mornings, okay, in the first service, you're gonna hear from George Grace. And uh, that service will be about an hour long, and there'll be a VBS for the little ones. We'll have a children's program in the mornings. And then after that, if you've got little ones, you're running the second section, okay? So moms and dads, parents, will get assignments and activities to do with your kids, then if you don't have kids, we'll have a second session for you, okay? So if you don't have children, uh, Mark and George are going to talk to those uh, who are not running the second, right? If you've got children, you're running that second class for the kids yourself, and uh, you'll get all the information on that. Then we'll break for lunch, and here's what you need to know about meals. Uh, It's assigned seating you will, the tables will have room numbers on them. I will not be policing you on that, but you need to know that's how UCM needs it to be set up. And so I hope you just heard what I just said. Uh, America, so you you need to sit, um, you need to manage yourself. You need to sit so as to manage yourself and you wanna make sure you're being careful with other people who are being careful to shelter, they're being careful with social distancing. We're gonna make allowances for one another. Um, but you, you will manage that. We will assign the seating and then you're gonna, you're gonna manage that. And then, um, then we'll, we'll have the afternoons just like we always have them. Uh, it's ex- except, well, there'll be no rock wall. They can't keep that clean, keep from passing COVID from uh, person to person on the rock wall. Uh, We'll have the gyms, there'll be plenty of equipment, there'll be bowling, there'll be outdoor trails, Uh, no inflatables, so if you were trying to take me in the joust, you'll just have to wait another year. Um, But uh, service times are shorter, Uh, the meals are prepackaged, we'll make sure nobody starves. Um, Yeah, so there'll be some restrictions, but we're still getting away together in the Word together, so this is gonna be a wonderful time, we need this, amen? And so you want to sign up actually today because tomorrow the prices go up. And then after however many days between now and All Church Retreat, they'll go up again. In other words, as we get closer to the retreat, the sign-ups for the retreat will reflect the actual cost of the retreat. Does that make sense? So you're getting a subsidized discount today. So, so make sure you sign up so that we can plan and, and uh, be ready for you. All right, grab your Bibles. Turn to... Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, and uh, we're going to get in the Word together this morning. We need to pray. If you didn't get a handout on the way in, all the handouts are posted on all the links. So Chris, mbtkc.org, they can get the handout there, right? Um, Facebook, we can get it, Tad, on Facebook, the handout, the, if you're on the live stream on Facebook, you, put, you dropped, I didn't see the Facebook event, um, is the handout on that link. Facebook. We don't know, but it's definitely on the YouTube link. If you search MBT, uh, you can get the handout on the Facebook, or you can get it at mbtkc.org, and it has form fields where you can you can fill in the blanks on the PDF. Uh, I think with all of the the uh, quarantines, most of us switched over to digital. How many of us switched over to digital? Uh, during this time, you're like, I'm a PDF person, I've I, I I got my mind made up, it's all PDF, no going back, can I just, real, I'm just curious, how many would say I'm a, I'm a digital PDF user now? Raise your hand. Okay, so we probably need to print more handouts. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> um, if you need a handout and you didn't get one on the way in, put your hand up and we'll have somebody from the Connections team hook you up. Okay, so if you want a hand out, just raise your hand, keep it up until connections find you. But uh, I'm going to pray. You keep raising your hand, and connections will keep hooking you up, and we're going to get in the Word together. Father, we love you. Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Father, we need you. Um, Lord, help us to, 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 to remember that we cannot live the life that you called us to. We can't follow the life of Christ without your word, without the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, without the Holy Ghost in us, how are we going to fulfill your word? And then, Lord, we need our brothers and sisters. And so, Lord, thank you for this passage that, that Lord, forces us to evaluate one another, to see one another as you see them, as you see us. And, and so, Lord, I thank you for this. Lord, I pray that you'd help us right now to to, to seriously consider your word and to evaluate our life and and make some decisions this morning that will bring glory to you and, and Lord, that will abound to fruit uh, on our account at the judgment seat. Lord, would you take the stumbling of my mouth? Would you set it aside? God, just have your way with your people for your own glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we're still in this section, okay? We get to Philippians chapter two and we have to slow down. We took a whole Sunday on verse one and then another Sunday on verses one through four and, and, and now we're still working out this plea for unity in the church. And this morning we're gonna see the emphasis on getting our need to get Christ's mind. But before we look at it, okay, whenever, I, I, just, I just wanna make this point before we get into the text Anytime you come to an issue in life, okay? Anytime you come to a a difficulty, you come to a hardship, anytime you come to a problem, you as a believer in Jesus Christ want to decide, I'm going to think biblically, I don't have to be right, my neighbor doesn't have to be right, my brother or sister doesn't have to be right. As a matter of fact, what God says, uh, let God be true, and what do we recognize about all men? All men are liars. Okay, so... Um, sometimes we, we lie and we don't even know that we're lying, right? I mean, that's just how 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 weak we can be. So you want to learn to think biblically when you come to issues in life. And so if you're going to think biblically, you're going to have to work a few things out. You want to do the math, okay? I, as a young man, was I was raised in a Christian home, but as I became my own man, I didn't want to be guilty of just following my parents' God, okay? I knew that they were sincere and I trusted them, but I didn't know if they knew everything. And so, you know, I'm young and kind of working through, do I know everything or not? And, and I realized I didn't, and so I'm doing the research myself, and I'll just tell you how very quickly I did the math on this. We're here, and that didn't just happen. The idea that everything came from nothing, and we're hoping we're going to believe in this singularity, God, that everything, there is a singularity, his name is Jesus, we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, so, uh, the fact that we're here, the fact of creation, absolutely proves there is a creator, there's no way around that, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's, uh, I mean, you're sticking your head in sand to avoid a God who created the sand that you're sticking your head in to try. I mean, there's just no getting around it. There is a creator. And if there is a creator, then he had a purpose for that creation, and so how do I, I know there's a God. How do I know him? How do I know what his will is over my life? I did, I, at a very early age, I recognized I didn't get here by accident, so what's, the Creator's purpose for my life. And as you read, quote-unquote, sacred literature, there is one book that stands alone, the B-I-B-L-E. Brothers and sisters, that's the book for me. Okay, I'm going to stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Why? Because of all, quote-unquote, sacred literature, the Bible is the only book that's full of prophecy, there are so many fulfilled prophecies and there's no getting around that somebody from the future way back in the past wrote everything that was going to happen as it applies to the desperate need of humanity to follow the will of God. Okay, so working through that, if you've been here any length of time, you've heard this story. I'd already worked through it in my own mind, but I was listening to NPR on the way home from work one day and, and there was a, they were doing a show on origins on the genesis of, of all things. And they were talking about creation myths and, and uh, different views on how we got here. And, and, and the guy that they're interviewing, he's atheistic. And what he said was, is the, the, the only thing that actually makes logical sense is the genesis account. And I'm like, oh, good. Somebody's telling the truth. The only thing that makes sense is the genesis account. But he says that would have negative implications on our sexual liberties, and so we have to find another way. I about wrecked my car. I he's like admitting it. I mean, he's just laying out the case that God makes in Romans chapter one. When they know God, they don't honor him as God. They don't submit to him as God. Instead of worshiping the creator, they end up worshiping the creature, which is really the path to worshiping self. And so God gives them over to a reprobate mind. Their sexual revolution is actually them thumbing their nose at God, and and you read all about that in Romans chapter 1. So you have to get to the place where you've either rejected or you've submitted to the Word of God, where you've either rejected or you've submitted to the book. Now, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And when the Bible says it, well, that settles it, and, and then we ought to just all submit to it. You want to come to the place where you're saying, I don't care what I think, I don't care what this lost world thinks, I care what God thinks. Does this make sense? You don't want to be the person that's just got their finger in the wind trying to figure out what the winds of the world, how they're blowing and what they're saying, and there's a lot of peer pressure in the world. Right, there's a lot of, there is a lot of emphasis, there's a lot of force in the world that says, conform to our way of thinking. As Bible believers, we want to tremble and say, God, what do you think? God, what does your word say over my life? I believe that this book is the very word of God in my language. From Genesis to Revelation, on every word, on every page, is the word of God. Amen? Uh, That that means on any given issue that I face in life, I I need to say what the Bible says about it. And in verses one through four, what we're seeing here is a plea for unity in the church. So, how do we get it? How do we get actual unity? And, brothers and sisters, you know that today this is needed desperately. This lost and fallen world desperately needs what God gave us. Read Ephesians four red, brown, yellow, black, and white. God purchased for us at the cross of Calvary unity. We have a unity in the Spirit of God, and we're to endeavor to keep that unity. That's our job. What we have in this room are a bunch of brothers and sisters to the glory of God. What the lost world desperately needs is what God gave us at Calvary and so let me just speak to the ministers of reconciliation this morning. Don't you know that's what you are, 2 Corinthians five 17? You're a new creature in Christ. Your old life has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're no longer who you were in Adam. You are now who you are in Christ. And God has made you, just keep reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God's made you a minister of reconciliation. Now you're either gonna get with that or you're gonna get with the world. So get this down in your notes. Let's keep going in Philippians chapter two. We need Christ's mind. Let's start at verse one. The word of God says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies. In other words, if, this is what we've been seeing, if you can see what God has done in your life, then, right, it's an if then proposition. If you can see what God's done in your life, then, Here's how you're bound. Here's what you're responsible to do. Here's how you're bound to treat your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look at verse 2. Fulfill ye my joy. If you can see what God's done in your life, then here's what you do. Fulfill ye my joy that you be, what, like-minded. Well, so does everybody have to think the way I think if we're going to be like-minded? Pastor, I smell a trick question. We need to think like Jesus thinks. That's what we're going to see this morning, okay? Think like I think as long as I'm thinking like Jesus thinks. Otherwise, it doesn't matter what I think, right? In other words, it really doesn't matter what I think. It matters what God thinks, okay? So, be like-minded. That's the command. Be like-minded, having what? The same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And we're going to see that mind this morning in verses 5 through 11, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are not the most important person that you know. Man, if you don't say what I want you to say, if you don't think what I demand that you think, well then, you know, we live in a cancel culture, don't we? Uh, We got too many fair weather Christians. If people don't meet our expectation, then this is the way the lost world treats people. You're seeing this in the news every day. They didn't say what I want them to say, and so we throw them away, and we're gonna move on. That's not how we as God's family are to operate. Okay, we got too many fair weather Christians that the moment I say something you don't like, forget what the Bible says, you didn't like it, and so you're up out of here. Well, okay, good luck with that. Good luck having real relationships when you're demanding everybody conform to your expectation and your mandates. That's not how real relationships work, right? You have to work things out. We have to work and we have to both compromise until we get to the place where God's truth is ruling over our hearts, our lives, and our relationship. And God's people are worth working that stuff out. Anybody that Christ bled out to purchase, don't you dare throw them away. Let's not do that. Let's pursue one another's hearts, ministers of reconciliation. Let's pursue one another's hearts. So we're to esteem other better than themselves. That means the person sitting next to you is better than you, right? Amen? Sophie, you didn't say amen. What's up? I mean, that's your husband right there. Come on. What? Oh, you nodded. Oh, okay. She's like, yes. Hmm. Okay. They're better than you. And that's how Christ viewed us. Shocking. We'll see that in just a moment. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's the heart of a minister of reconciliation. So here we are. We need Christ's mind. We need that because we don't naturally, that was not in Adam, that's not factory installed. It's what's, what's factory installed in who we are in Adam is my way or the highway. That's how we roll Verse five says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is a command. We're commanded to have Christ's mind, and if we're gonna have that, then what that means is we need a mind reset. We need our mind transformed. You need to transform your mind if you're gonna have Christ's mind. Well then, how do I transform my mind? Well, God does his part, but here's your part. Here's how you do it. Psalms 119, verse 97. Oh, how love I thy law. Do you love the word of God? Maybe you need to do the math on it. Come to the place where you're a Bible believer. Do the math. Work that out because life is a vapor. You're here one moment and you're gone. Do you know what's going to happen the second after you die? I'll tell you what's going to happen. You'll stand before your creator and you're going to give an account. He gave his word, right? The maker, the designer, the manufacturer rolled you out on the assembly line. Here you are. Did you meet product specifications? Did you meet, did you match the expectations of your maker? You're gonna account for that. Oh, how I love, right, thy law. Oh, how love I thy law. It is, here it is now, my meditation all the day. What I have to do is I have to focus my mind on his mind. I have to meditate on the mind of Christ. And notice what this does in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The church is again commanded that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. What the world thinks, that's second to what God thinks. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is God's will over my life? Again, the B-I-B-L-E, brother, sister, that's the book for me. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, Bible, some of you grew up in kids' club. Okay, so. that you may prove, I need the mind of Christ, I need the word of God to be the meditation of my heart, right? the meditation of my mind all the day, so that I'll know the perfect will of God. And then, can I give you some homework? Read the rest of Romans chapter 12. What you'll find is, those who have the mind of Christ, see how God made them, how did God gift me, and then they lay down their lives in service to God's people. If you're gonna have a transformed mind, you get it's not about you, it's about the brethren. It's not about you, it's about the ministry of reconciliation, and so how did God gift me in verses four and following? How did God gift me, and then I exercise those gifts to the benefit of the body? In verses four through 21, I lay down my life investing in God's people, and that's what we're gonna see today. Jesus didn't live his life to his own glory or to satisfy himself, but he did it to satisfy the will of the Father. He didn't live to get his way, but instead to get us. That's why he did what he did. Jesus Christ didn't come to be served. He came and laid down his life as a minister of reconciliation so that he could have us in his life. So you and I, we gotta do the same. This is why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And so watch what he says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And that's what we're gonna see. Christ humbles himself and follows as a servant, submits himself even to death in order to win us. So if we take up that cross and we follow him, we learn of Christ, he is meek and lowly in heart, this is how we find rest unto our souls. So here's what Christ models, verse six, look at this. Who, Jesus, who, being in the form of God, in other words, we're looking at his equating with God, Right, his equation with God. He is being, in other words, his existence, his existing as God. Being in the form, that word form, comes from the word that we transliterate into morph. When something, we talk about it being morphed, we talk about its shape or its nature, right? It's Jesus existing as God. That's what the Bible says. So here's Jesus being in the form of God, thought it not robbery, to be equal with God. You don't steal what you already have. Hello, somebody. I don't have to steal something that's already mine. He is God. In Hebrews chapter 1, very clearly, by the time you get to verse 8, there is no explaining it away. The Bible calls Jesus God. He is the manifestation of the Godhead, look at this, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his per- per- person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Colossians 1.15 says he is the image of the invisible God. In John 17, verse 5, Jesus said, Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. This is the creator speaking, the creator God. This is Jesus, right, existing, being in the form of God, existing as God. In other words, Jesus wasn't like God. He is God. And if you want to see God, then look to Jesus in John chapter 1. This is how the Bible declares the Creator. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And people will say, well, you know, that's that's just talking about the Word of God. God equates Himself with His Word. So you won't be confused. Verse 14 says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus, the word, whenever you read and God said in Genesis chapter 1, that's Jesus talking, y'all. Jesus is the creator God. John chapter 5, verse 18. They want to kill him because he also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Well, of course he made himself equal with God because he is God. He doesn't have to rob that. He doesn't have to steal that. John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. So Jesus, being in the form of God, literally his name is Jehovah saves. You want to know what the name Jesus means? It means salvation. It means Jehovah saves. Uh, The prophecy is his name. You know, you're going to name him Emmanuel. Why? Because Emmanuel means God with us. That is Jesus' name. In Hebrews 1, we already talked about this. Jesus is called God. Look at Hebrews 1, verse 8 there in your notes. But unto the Son, unto Jesus, God says, right? Unto the Son, he saith, the Father saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. Anybody still confused on Jesus being God? The Bible clearly declares him to be. So, of course, Jesus as creator knows that he is God, He knows he's equal with God the Father. He doesn't have to steal that. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. So whenever he puts on flesh, whenever God enters into this mystery of godliness, Paul told Timothy about it. God puts on flesh. God becomes man. So Jesus, all God and yet all man, he as the second Adam, now lays down his life for Adam's race. And this is what we're gonna see in verses seven and eight. He is, he doesn't have to steal equality with God to be equal with, that's who he is. He is God. Yet he lays down his life to redeem Adam's race, to reconcile us back to the Father. So here's how you and I as sons and daughters of God, as Christians, here's how we need to take that and apply that. So get this down in your notes. You need to know who you are in Christ. You need to recognize you're a child of God. You know, God's Spirit bears witness with your spirit. If you're saved, God's, you know you're saved because the Spirit tells you so. God's Spirit bears witness with your spirit. And you hear him saying that in his word. The word of God gives you the assurance of your salvation. It, it shows you that you're a child of God. I can't tell you whether or not you're saved. I can't tell you whether or not you're God's child. I can tell you what the Bible says about it. But only the Bible, only the word of God and the spirit of God can confirm to you that you're a child of God. But oh man, once you have that, you know who you are in Christ. And you don't think it robbery to be in God's family, do you? You don't steal something that's already yours. So lay it down. Yes, you are more than a conqueror through Christ. Read Romans 8. Nothing separates you from the love of God. You're more than a conqueror through him. You have victory in Jesus. You are one with God. You are in Christ himself. This is why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 57, but thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know who you are. You have the victory in Christ. You're one with God himself. You didn't steal that, God gave you that. It's who you are, it's what you have. So lay it down. Right, if you have his mind, you're gonna lay that down and get busy with the work. Look at verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Um, Mark Trotter did a wonderful job laying that out in one of our conferences. I don't know if it's this, this last one or the one before, but what's the work of the Lord? What's the work that the Lord was doing when he was here working? And what was he doing? He was coming to seek and to save that which is lost. God made man to live the life that he's called him to live. When God created Adam, he forms him from the dust of the ground. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2, verse seven, that he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life. The spirit of the living God, don't you know man was made for God to dwell in? The spirit of the living God inhabited him. In Luke chapter 3, verse 38 says he is now the son of God. Adam is now living the family life. And you know the story in Genesis chapter 3. He rebelled against the word of the Lord. He took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And in rebellion, he is now separated from the life and the indwelling of the Spirit of the living God. This is why he died spiritually that day. So here is Adam who was created in the likeness and image of God. Now it's a fallen, sinful, it's a warped image and likeness, and that has to be restored. This is why Jesus came to introduce the ministry of reconciliation. Why, because lost men and women were separated from God by their sin. In Adam, all die, but in Christ, all can be made alive. And how does that happen? Christ took our sin and our rebellion to the cross of Calvary, and he became, right? He was made our sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. That's the ministry of reconciliation. We need to abound in the work of the Lord because that's what we were made for. That work, that labor is not in vain. So we need to make the move that Christ made. Look at point number two. We need to make Christ's move. Look at verse seven. But him, Jesus, but made himself of no reputation. Now, it's not robbery for him to be equal with God, but he lays that down. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross so in verse 7 you see Christ's humility he humbles himself we love to see we love to see it when somebody gets full of themselves we love to see it when they get taken down a notch don't we it's always fun to watch somebody who's i mean it's just it's our own fallen human nature, probably, but we just love to see a big shot taken down. Brayden, what were you saying at the, um, at the, I was trying to remember this in the first service. Okay, so we were at, you guys were, I think you guys were in high school, maybe junior high, and we just did the race at, uh, at uh, Hutch, that, that triathlon, and you like tore it up. You had a good time and everything. We're riding back, and, and what he wasn't saying, but what everybody saw, is he was showing out for Sophie on his bike. And you said the words, I think I know how to not fall off the bike. It was basically, check me out, right? And then immediately after that, what happened? Oh, uh, he took a header right off the bike. <laughs> He's like, I got this thing down, you know, and then boom, and, and you don't like, first, before you laugh, you want to make sure he's okay, and I think he just skinned something, you know, or something like, yeah, he knows how to ride a bike, and so everybody was kind of chuckling about that, you know, oh, you know, it's probably not, probably, probably, didn't, probably didn't have the effect that he wanted it to have with Sophia, you know, uh, but you know, persistence wins the day, there's proof, man, you guys, welcome back, Mr. and Mrs. Best, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's just how we're wired, right? We, we, we always think it's funny anytime somebody with a little bit of pride gets, we call it, get, but get what's coming to them. Okay, Christ didn't get what was coming to him. If anybody could have been full of pride, like if there was one entity in the entire universe that could be qualified to be full of pride, that would be Jesus, right? We see that, amen? It's not robbery for him to be equal with God. But he humbles himself. He didn't come like a big deal. He's the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of the angelic host. And he comes not like a king to be served, but he comes like a servant. Grows up in a place like Nazareth that, that the people of Israel kind of look down their nose on. He lived in Nazareth. Whenever he's presented as a Messiah, right, as the Messiah, the promised Messiah, he rides in on a donkey on the foal of an ass, when he's presented as the Messiah, meek and lowly, humble. If you or I were rolling into Jerusalem as the creator of heaven and earth, as the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of prophecy, we'd be like, better find me a nice ride. I want the biggest, baddest coach. Make sure the rims are sweet because I'm, I mean, they're not going to catch me riding dirty. No way. No way. Uh, I want to roll in with the pomp and circumstance that's due my position. Not Jesus. He came in humble. And then look at his service, right? He took upon him the form of a servant. John 13, verse four, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. And after that, he poured poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel wherewith he was girded. And this is how he puts it to the disciples in Luke 22. For whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat, but I, the creator of heaven and earth, and all that is in them, but I am among you as he that serveth. Every Christian needs to never forget 2 Corinthians 8, 9, to know Right? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Man, that's amazing. Everything that he laid aside in order to win my heart. And he came, right? He was made in the likeness of men. Man. Talking to the men here. We love being men, don't we? And we want to be men that are. So, whether you apply yourself academically or you're applying yourself in the gym, um, men will apply themselves so that they can be somebody in their community, right? We want to be recognized as being someone as a man. That's kind of like built into the hardwiring of the male psyche. We like, I mean, especially if there's some area where you are excelling and people see you as the man like that's that appeals to your flesh Jesus was made in the likeness of a man and I don't see how that was appealing to him in other words for Jesus to become like me that's like me becoming like a worm so that I can win worms you see the difference I'm a man. Oh, big deal, worm, right? I'm a man, said the worm. Okay. Me being, right, Christ making himself like me in order to win me would be no different than me trying to become a worm so that I can win a bunch of worms. We don't even think about worms, do we? When you go gardening, are you worried about what the worms might think? Oh man, I got to I got to make sure that, you know, that'll be socially acceptable with the worm community if I make my garden patch right over here. Let's do a survey. You don't even think about it, do you? You just dig the spot, and you plant your plants, and you just do your thing because who cares what a worm thinks? And yet, the creator became one of us so that he could buy us all back from our sin and our rebellion against him. I was gardening. I had a snake in my garden. It was a garden snake we're cool. Everything's cool. I kind of like the fact that he's living there. He's helping to keep the little varmints and the little critters down. He's doing his part. We're getting along just fine. I need to till my garden. It's the end of the season. I want to, to turn everything into the soil, and and so I go to move my snake to the other garden patch. Bro, I love you. It's about to get real up in here, and so let's let's evacuate you, and let's get you over where it's safe, and And then, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm going to wreck your home. And apparently he had a problem with that. The sucker tried to bite me. We'd been coexisting peacefully. All I'm doing is moving him, and he tried to bite me. I'm not proud of it. But I killed him. To have the audacity to come at me. I've been providing for him all summer had this habitat that he was just getting fat in and, and that's the things I get and so that was the end of my snake. <laughs> I'm generally in the camp that says a good snake is a dead snake. That's my general camp. I don't understand people that make pets out of them but hey, you do you, I'm gonna happily do me. Okay, so, <laughs> the, we were his enemies. He would have been within his rights to terminate us instead he became one of us. And he took our wrong. You know, the way we roll, right? If Waggy did something, right? If Waggy did something to hurt you, sister, and you didn't know who hurt you, what do we do? What's our natural? Who hurt me? What happened? Who hurt? This is the man, right? We give him up. Not Jesus. The father who wronged? It was me. And he took all of the sin of Adam's race, to the cross of Calvary, and he suffered the wrath of the Father over your wickedness and mine. A bunch of worms. And if you can get over that, if you can, if you can forget that, if you can treat that like it's not, man. God, open our eyes to see the love of our creator for us. Help us to never get over that. See, God created man, like we said before, in Genesis 2-7, with the indwelling of his spirit. He created him in his likeness and image, and God made Adam to live in fellowship with him. He is Luke three thirty eight, the son of God. But he loved him. He wasn't willing that he would perish, and so he told him, everything's on the menu except the tree, right? The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Genesis two seventeen. The day you eat thereof, you will surely die. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And you guys know the story in Genesis 3. He took, he ate in rebellion against God. The indwelling of God's spirit is gone. Adam and all who follow him are now dead in sin. And rebellion is now, rebellion against God is now built into the heart of man. That's the problem with our world today. This is why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, 7, You must be born again. You need to be reborn. You need a new spirit. See, believing on the gospel regenerates you. You become a new creature in Christ, 2 Corinthians five seventeen. And now you have the ability to live Christ's life. Now you can lay your life down in his service. In verse 8, being found in fascism, man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So he, in obedience, sacrifices his life. We didn't take it from him. He laid it down. John 10:18 No man taketh it from me but I lay it down of myself I have the power to lay it down I have the power to take it again This is the commandment I have received of my Father Through Adam's disobedience we were made sinners and rebels against God Through Christ's obedience we've been made righteous Romans 5:19 But in order for that to take place Christ had to humble himself in order to die not just to die, but to die by, by a worm's hand, by man's hand. He had to humble himself to die for our sin against God. He had to humble himself to suffer God's wrath over it. He had to humble himself in order to be legitimately reckoned your pride, your covetousness, your lust, your arrogance, your lies, your hatred, He had to humble himself to take all that upon himself. He was made our sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Galatians 3.13, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. He had to humble himself to be placed, to be cursed on the cross of Calvary. 1 Peter 2.24, he, his own self, bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness. It's by his stripes, by whose stripes you're healed. Chapter 3, verse 18 says that Christ also hath suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. So here's the key. What do we take from that? If we could just get this same humility, Christ's humility, before our fellow man, what would that do for our unity? I don't have to get what I want. I don't have to get what's... I don't have to, it's not robbery what I have with the Lord, but I can lay all of that down and I can seek the ministry of reconciliation. This is why we saw what we saw in verses three through five, or three through four. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. So let's summarize this section this way. Here's Jesus. He's God. He doesn't have to steal that. Yet he humbles himself and he lays down his life in order to fulfill the will of the Father. God was not willing that you and I would perish and so Jesus said, I'll, take a, I'll, humble my, I'll lay aside my glory, I will humble myself and I will become their sin. I'll be the Lamb of God that can take... They're sent away. You can suffer your wrath. You can, you can allow me to suffer your wrath over their wrong. Verse 6 says, he was, he was God. He, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal to God, yet he humbled himself. Now contrast Jesus with Satan. Who made Satan? Who made Lucifer? Jesus made him. He's not God, right? Satan was not God, yet he sought to rob God's glory for his own. He wanted to rob and be equal with God himself. And you read about that in Isaiah chapter 14. He wanted to be equal to God in rebellion against God. And then you see that spirit on display in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 when we see the Antichrist opposing and exalting himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he, here it is, As God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. What's he doing? He is trying to steal what belongs to God alone. Do you see that difference? Here's Christ, who is God, laying down his rights, humbling himself and becoming obedient and dying in order to save us. Satan, who is not God, wants to steal what belongs to God alone. He wants to be God without God. He stands in the place of God telling himself that he's God. Okay, so which camp are you in? See, you're either following the spirit of Christ or you're following the spirit of the old man. You are spiritually in one of two families. You're either God in heaven is your father or the God of this world is your father. Jesus said in John chapter 8 that the lost were of their father the devil. So that's why they do what they do. Or of their father, the devil. We're not talking physically, literally, physically. We're talking spiritually, where it counts. Which camp are you in? See, you are a child of God. So now watch how this works out. Point number three. We need to remember what God does now, God's move. Look at verse 9. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So now don't miss what's happening here. Jesus, right, he is God. It's not robbery for him to be equal with God because that's who he is. He is, it's by him that all things consist. It's by the word of his power that he upholds all things. He is the all in all. But in verses seven and eight, he humbles himself before all. All. So verse nine, wherefore, he will be exalted before all. Do you see that? He's exalted over all. This name Jesus, at the name of Jesus, it means God saves. It means Savior. There's power in the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus that makes devils tremble. There is no name like that name. God saves. Satan's goal is to see man who was created in the likeness and image of God, destroyed and separated from their creator for eternity. This is not God's heart. And so he takes what Satan, Satan, he used some spiritual judo on Adam and Eve, didn't he? And he then became the God of this world. But Jesus, the second Adam, reconciles those of us in the first Adam back in right relationship with the Father. Satan no longer has control over our destiny. And so God says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. So every knee, from every angel to every devil, from those who inhabit heaven to those who are condemned in hell, they will bow the knee and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every tongue, and that includes yours. This is a quote from Isaiah 45:22 through 23, which, by the way, is another proof text for the deity of Christ. And look at what Jesus says, look unto me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. I've sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. And just so that nobody misses it, when he returns the second time, it will be in glory and he'll have his name tag on. Revelation 19, 16 says, And he, Jesus, hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, here it is, King of kings and Lord of lords. The Bible says that the Father puts all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 4 says he has the most excellent name. What's your name? Jesus. Excellent. Okay, so, sorry. That was bad. Okay, so you're in one of two camps. You're either following the will of the Father or you're following the will of the God of this world. You're either laying down your rights as a son of God, as a daughter of God, in the ministry of reconciliation, or you're demanding. You're robbing what was not yours. You're not God. God gave you in his grace, his love, and his mercy. He gave the Christian a place in his family. So you're in one of two camps. So here's the key. Get this down and we'll... We'll finish up. Eric, can you, is Eric here? Who's, who's closing us out in worship while we transition? Huh? Ah, there he is, part ninja, okay. So Eric's gonna get ready to lead us in worship, and you need to get this down before we go. You wanna live your life so that what you do falls out to the lordship of Christ over your life and God's glory. That's what you wanna do. You want a purpose to live Christ. You don't wanna live so that the payout's for you. Look at what Romans chapter eight says. When you get saved, God's spirit bears witness with your spirit that you're God's child. Now watch this, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, right? You have a place in God's family, but watch this now. You'll be joint heirs with Christ. You'll be with them in his glory. You'll be joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. If so be, you'll put on verses 7 and 8, and humble yourself, and be a servant, and lay down your life in the ministry of reconciliation. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us, Jesus Christ will be confessed as King of kings and Lord of lords, right? At the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? To the glory of the Father. And the Father wants you to share in that glory. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The whole world is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. If you'll be humble and enter into the ministry of reconciliation. But I have rights! You don't know what brother, sister, so-and-so did to me. Go win them, Don't don't let the rupture be on your part. Go to them, work it out. Man, the lost are wicked, go to them. Preach the gospel to them. If you're humble in Christ today, you'll rule with them tomorrow. And with all my heart, that's what I want for everybody in this room, to rule and reign with Christ. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I just beg that today would be a day of salvation for anyone that does not know that they're your child. Lord, help them to see Jesus and his sacrifice at Calvary. Help them to see that he is not dead. He is a risen Savior. And that today is the day of salvation. Today is a day that they can cry out for forgiveness and mercy and be born again. And for my brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, help us to see that today we can lay our lives down and we can be a servant and we can follow Jesus in the ministry of reconciliation that your people are worth working out issues with. Lord, we all need that. And so God, help us to humble ourselves. Help us to be obedient. Help us to take up our cross and do the things that will bring glory at the judgment seat. Father, don't let us get away with our excuses and the reasons for why we, we can't just take you at your word and help us to move forward in faith. I pray this in Jesus' name. Be glorified in your church. Amen.